Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. What are your business challenges for 2021? Supporting an increased remote workforce? Securing and managing your expanding corporate network? Communicating with your customers, employees, and partners? Whatever your challenges and priorities for 2021, Blackfoot Communications knows it all starts with a plan. We are here to help you assess, design, implement, and support your most critical technology infrastructure initiatives. Call Blackfoot at 866-541-5000 or email business at blackfoot.com to learn how we can set you up for success in 2021 and beyond. Blackfoot, connect to more. Five Raiders put on the COVID-19 reserve list. Two Tell New Ones, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Great to be with you on this very fine Thursday afternoon. Hour number two. If you missed anything in hour number one, listen on the podcast. The Two Tell New Ones podcast is available wherever you get your podcast. Rate, review, subscribe. Appreciate all that. You can listen on all your favorite podcasting platforms. It's the Two Tell New Ones podcast. Thanks to Blackfoot Communications. If you want to call 361-3688, here's what we want. You can call or text 361-3688. Who's your best upset winner this weekend? 361-3688. Just text us in the NFL. What team is an underdog is, in fact, going to win a football game on Sunday or Thursday or Monday, as the case may be? 361-3688. All guests join us via the Rangers Brothers RV phone line. You can also listen live on the stream. The stream is available all the time. 1029ESPN.com. You check out the stream thanks to Opportunity Bank of Montana. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. Coulter, the Las Vegas Raiders have placed five players on the COVID reserve list. Mm -hmm. Four of them are starting on the offensive line. Thanks. Now, for what it's worth, this is, uh, my understanding, a contact tracing issue. These players have have not tested positive for COVID. They have to have five days of quarantine, and this began on Monday. And so they are able, if they test positive on Sunday morning, possibly to play, though it will obviously have been without having practiced for the week. The Raiders play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If the Raiders play the Buccaneers and don't have a single starting lineman, because, by the way, the fifth starting lineman who is supposed to be starting has already been injured, so they're already a backup in one spot. Uh, I mean, good night. I mean, Levante David going up against an entire backup offensive line. Well, the other thing you got to remember is that there's no, that's not even a thing. Most NFL teams don't have a backup offensive no, line. No, no. They the, don't even carry. You're only allowed to carry eight. Oh, no, no, excuse me. You, you are required to carry eight. You're required to carry eight, you're, and most teams abide by that. They were, they they keep they, eight and then one on a practice Well, squad. and the reason you're required to carry eight is because 
a lot of teams might only carry six and try and load up at other positions if they right. could. And then they stash guys on the practice squad right. and or have a guy like ready to roll. Now, with an expanded expanded practice squad, presumably you could cobble together an offensive line, but I mean, my goodness, what are you going to do if well, you're the Raiders? And the other thing is that the the most underrated part of the Raiders is their offensive line. The Raiders have a very good offensive line. They do have line. a good offensive line. I mean, Gabe, Gabe Jackson, who's one of the guys who's going to be out, is... I would say a, a, probably a top four guard in the NFL. I mean, it's like him, Jahari Evans from New Orleans, Quentin Nelson from Indianapolis, and this dude from the Browns who might be the breakout interior offensive lineman in the entire league. Um, Have you heard about this guy? Yeah. He's got the highest rating yeah. according to Pro Football Focus in, the, in a month by any lineman ever. Yeah, I got to go. I got to go look at that. ESPN columnist was saying that if he was to truly be objective and who should be the top 10 MVP candidates right now, this is before the Browns got wiped last week. He said this guy should be a top 10 MVP candidate. Um, Dreams do come true. By the way, the fifth person on this list is Jonathan Abram, the Who's their safety. Best, best defensive player yeah, on the Raiders, I mean, right? he's, he's, he's certainly their best young player. I mean, he's outstanding. Outstanding. And safety. hilarious. I mean,. Which only adds to the love, right? Salmon. He always uh, asked. He always asked Derek Carr, right. "Bro, why do you call it salmon? It's salmon. It's salmon." Derek Carr's like, "Bro, it's salmon." <laughs> <laughs> now, again, just to be clear, it is not a hundred percent that these guys won't play if they test negative right. on Sunday morning. They can play, but again, you can't get back at least the physical preparation. Now, granted, most of the preparation that you're doing in a in a, in a week of practice is – because we have – I think people have this idea that practice – like when they think about football practice, what they are actually thinking of is training camp. Like that's what they have in their heads. Like you're going up and you're lining up and you're smashing and you're going to work and you're getting, you know, you're you're getting cardio in and everything like that. In the NFL, it's practice – in fact, not even allowed. Right. Practice is – the, the point of practice is just to do the installs, is to learn where you're supposed to be, to get timing down and that kind of thing. And there might be a little bit of contact every here Every amount of contact, though, is on the, is on the watch. Right, right. Like, you have to send your film of that day's practice to the NFL. So it this isn't an issue of not being, quote-unquote, physically ready to play or you're not going to be in shape or something because you haven't been able to practice this week. But it is, you know, if you got a, if you got an, a, a new blocking scheme that you want to put together – because you're worried about the Tampa Bay, you know, linebackers coming on a double A lap blitz or something like this. You don't have the guys to go out. You can learn it on film, but you can't actually go out there and run it. And you need to be able to run it, man. Like you need that timing to figure it out. That said, we'll see how this develops. But at the end of the day, this picks against the spread. So let's go in here, Colter. Well, the other thing we're talking about things. the Raiders real quick too is that yeah. uh, four of these guys are potential starters, but. In fact, besides Gabe Jackson, there are other two premier offensive linemen which give them that reputation as having one of the better offensive lines in the league are Richie Incognito, who's on an injured reserve He's already, out, yeah. and Trent Brown, who was supposed to be questionable this week, but who knows what that status is. Maybe they accelerate him back. I mean, he rolled his ankle pretty bad a couple weeks ago, um, but he's their best tackle. So maybe they bring him back, and that can help mitigate this. But either mm-hmm. way, it's, uh, it's not a good thing because – Indomitian Sue versus Gabe Jackson is a good matchup. Indomitian Sue versus whoever else they're going to put there is not a good matchup for Oakland or Las Vegas. As, as it, it were. were. As it were. <laughs> uh, tonight, Coulter, as we mentioned, the NFC East uh, gets us going with amateur hour. The New York Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles going to play. Interestingly, this game opens the Eagles seven-point favorites. They're now only four-and-a-half point favorites in this game. Uh, we only talk about this game. We're not going to talk about every game here. We only talk about it because it is a nationally broadcast Thursday night game. It's the only game on tonight, and so we're going to talk about it just a little bit. Philadelphia has looked a lot worse than people thought they would look. They have not looked good in a lot of in, in really at all, just like every team in their division. They are, though, the one team in this division that I could make an argument for that looks like they have improved. Maybe the Giants a little bit, but the, 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 the Eagles have in fact, gone from really bad to only mostly bad over the first six weeks of the season. So I kind of like the trend of the Eagles a little bit. The the, the uh, Giants are coming off their first win of the season against, of course, an in-division opponent last weekend. They were able to get it done uh, against, uh, against Washington. Point being, these are two bad football teams, but Philadelphia 
to me, is the better of these bad football teams. They certainly have the better quarterback. They have a couple of guys coming back off of injury. I like the Eagles to cover a four-and-a-half-point favorite. I think the Philadelphia will win this game tonight. A couple Big Sky Conference notes on this game. Alex Singleton, former yes. State linebacker, friend of the show, he will be a, a starter for the second week in a row. So congratulations to him. Great. Pick six earlier on a Sunday night game. Huge moment. Sua Opeta, former Weber State All-American offensive lineman. He has worked his way up from practice squad to active roster to now he will make his first NFL start at offensive guard. Good for him. Well, maybe he just needed to lift some more weights. (laughs) Well, I'll call him. I'll call Sua Opeta, friend of the show, even though he's only ever been on the show one time because you want him as your friend. <laughs> it's it's us reaching out to him. I mean, yeah. When you yeah. shake his hand, you're like, "Hi, yeah." Uh, Please be gentle. He's so big, and then when he went to the combine and did 39 reps and yeah. had the highest uh, rep total, I couldn't actually believe that he. Here's the thing: what they're doing with him now is what should have been done with him since the moment he made it to the NFL. He he's a road grader. He's not a tackle. Yeah. And they were everybody was was trying to project him. What is his ability as a tackle in the NFL? He doesn't have any, but he's six four three thirty. He's yeah. got plenty of ability as a guard. I yeah. mean, if you could bench two twenty five yeah. forty times, let's go. Yeah, play yeah, guard. Cool. Well, that's great. Good for him that that he's starting uh, outstanding. Really nice guy. And and uh, that's you know to get your first NFL start is fantastic. The Giants. Here's the thing. They have still a couple of good skill position players. Evan Ingram is an outstanding tight end. You they don't you no no no. I, I I love him because he's good. Is he though? Here's here now. See, you're going to do the thing that everybody else does that you criticize him for, rightly so. He's not producing, and so that you think that he's not good, but he's not producing not because he's not good. He's not producing because he's on a bad team that doesn't use him properly. Fact, they tried to throw him, you know, a trick play. T- he scored a touchdown last week rushing. He tried to throw him a touchdown on a trick play fake field goal, and they weren't lined up right. Even though it was, it came off perfectly. He scored the thing, so he's got, he has all the ability in the world. He's got great athleticism outside of like uh, 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 Darren Waller. He is as as fast a quote tight end as you're gonna find. That's exactly it. What you're saying is absolutely correct because Evan Ingram's not a tight end really. He's, yeah, he's like a he's a he's like a. He's like what they used to call split ends. He's a he's a H back type. Like you have to line him up in the slot if you want to throw him the ball. It's funny because we think of slot guys now as you know as Tom Brady says the pygmy goats, like the little guys yes, five yes. nines walking around, right. you know, running out do a quick thing. Right. But for a long time, and still, if if you want to use them, you get the biggest guy you can find right. and put him in the slot like, and like let him go to work. Darren Waller plays slot way more than he plays tight ends for right. the Raiders. Larry Fitzgerald has remade his career as a slot, but Cooper Cup plays slot. You, he's your best player left, uh, uh, you know, in terms of uh, offensive skill position, including your quarterback, by the way, which is not a great commentary on the Giants. But since Saquon Barkley is injured again. You got to sit here and you got to just feed him like you have to. And even if teams are going to load up and try and take him away and stuff, well, you know, move the pieces around, get him in space. Do it. And look, they did. I mean, they handed him the, the the football for crying out loud. You know, so you know you, you, you can't very well get a guy into a better position than that. They, I mean, how, how many times have you heard of that? where you're going to come on a jet sweep and it's the tight end getting the football. I mean, you want to talk about athleticism. So Evan Ingram is a really good player. It doesn't mean that he's going to produce, but they need to find a way to get him involved. But at the end of the day, I think Philadelphia's just got more more guys. And, I mean, what are they? One, they're 1-4-1, one, and one, a half game out of first place. Then the, the, the Giants are one in five, one game out of first place. By the way, what's the lowest number of wins that a team could have to to win their division? I believe three. I well in, in this year, right here, where we're at right now with this NFC East. Well, I guess they've already played a couple games, yeah. so like five, four. Yeah, you could potentially mathematically have a four and twelve division winner. Well. That ain't going to happen. Here's the thing. If the Eagles don't win this division, I think that there's real momentum and traction towards Doug Peterson either being on the hot seat or being out. Yeah. Which is crazy to say because they just won a Super Bowl just a couple years ago. It's crazy to say. I I, I agree with you. That said, I think the Eagles are going to win this division. I was all over Dallas to win this division and kind of win it easily coming into the season, and obviously that has taken – 
the worst of turns for the Dallas Cowboys, both obviously on the field and also now with with the upheaval, what seems like upheaval internally with the coaching staff and so on. So uh, I'm I'm I, I like Philadelphia. I think they're going to win this game. All right, Coulter, let's go elsewhere uh, here. Uh, by the way, the game that moved the most, you know, games when they open, you know, against the spread. They might move a half a point, maybe a point, point and a half, whatever, over the course of the thing. But if a game moves three points, it's like just a lot, right? I mean, in yeah, in, in from from its opening, especially on like a Monday to a Thursday where we are now, for it to move three points. The game that's moved the most in terms of the point spread is the Jets and the Bills. The Bills opened as the biggest number on the board, ten and a half, and it has moved three points towards Buffalo where they're now a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. That is how bad the Jets are. The Jets were the biggest underdog when it opened, and it's moved the most of any number away from New York. I mean, that is an awful football team. Anyway, we're both on the Bills, as everybody else in the world should be. Uh, let's go to... I have a question for you. Okay. <laughs> the state of being a New York Jets fan right now revolves around two things. It's remarkable that Greeny got a radio show now just to share his misery with everybody for two hours a day. The the <laughs> the being a Jets fan right now revolves around well maybe not even two things three things. When are you going to fire Adam Gase? How much joy is that? The only piece of joy any Jets fan will experience this season. Mm-hmm. Are they going to trade Quinn and Williams? Which could be the opposite of the joy. Mm-hmm. You're flushing down this elite, unbelievably transcendent player out of Alabama who you've gotten, you've had hardly any time to even develop or watch. And then third, do they have the inside track to get Trevor Lawrence? Tank for Trevor. Question for you, though, is this. First of all, I think Sam Darnold's in the worst situation in the NFL. I don't think that's a hot take. I think that's just the reality of the situation. There's no way to even gauge if Sam Darnold is good in the NFL because he's playing for just a ter- just a terrible team. But do you think the fact that the one piece of glee that could exist in the future, and there's a lot of speculation right now that they're not going to fire Adam Gase, by the way, because they want to be as bad as possible so they can get Trevor Lawrence, and if they do, replace Gase with a coach that could fit Trevor Lawrence's style because Gase obviously ain't it. But do you think that the, the chance, the fact that there's such a narrative around tanking for Trevor Lawrence could have an effect on Sam Darnold and then inherently make the Jets worse than they already are? Well, you can't be worse than they are. Like, it's not possible. They are mm-hmm. a zero. You no, could wor- lose worse. I mean, you could lose by more points. But at the end of the day, it's binary. You win or you lose. And when you only lose, you are as bad as you can be. So they are as bad as you can be. Yeah, what if you lost like forty-one nothing to the Dolphins, though? It's it's no worse. It's actually no worse. <laughs> so all I'm saying is, here's my thing. First of all, this is not tanking. They're not tanking. They're awful. There's a difference. They're not trying to be bad. They're bad. Yes, but they're also incredibly poorly coached, and I think that that's the one element where and it could be tanking because you might be able to make a move that at least infiltrated this team with some sort of passion. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. We talked about it on the Make It Randy podcast with Sean Randy the other day. The Redskins don't have great personnel, but they play hard, and they do have a couple portions of your team, their team where you're like, that's a pretty good position group. They're good on the D-line. Chase Young's great. He plays hard. They play hard on defense. The Giants play pretty hard. Daniel Jones is a little bit frightened sometimes with the ball, but they play hard. Uh, The Jets have no continuity, no cohesion. So the lack of action when it comes to that, to me, is a direct response by the ownership to not want to get any better right now. You know, but you're correct. They're not trying to lose. That's and 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 that might be true. I, I could even buy that. My thing is this. When Joe Burrow goes to Cincinnati, the Bengals are bad. Yep. But there are players, I mean, it's not not just wide receivers, but there, there's, you know, yeah. you got guys there sure. where you can start to build something. Well, and they have a, new, a young coach that they're trying mm-hmm. to build something in. Here's the best way you could sum up the situation the Jets are in, though. The Redskins went for two against the Giants last week under the premise that either we will win and this will galvanize our team or we'll lose, and that's good for us anyways because we don't care if we lose. All we're trying to do is rebuild, rebuild the culture. The Jets are so out to lunch that Gase would have never even thought of that if he was in that position. Okay. But 
All I'm saying is, is that the Jets, uh, you know, they any NFL team has some good players on it, but this is as 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 you know, uh, 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 empty a cupboard as you're going to find when you talk about NFL talent, and the, the, that means that even if you get Trevor Lawrence, like. It's possible to to ruin him. Like you, you, whoever's playing quarterback for the Jets is, you know, what you want. Honestly, if you're the New York Jets right now, is Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's who you want. You want a guy who can come in, be a great locker room guy, who's who's functional as a player, and even he's not going to be good in New York because nobody can be good in New York, as you're seeing. Yep. But he could come in and be a guy that will cash his check, be a professional, be a leader, do the thing that you need him to do while you get to where you're going. But they need to find a way to build talent. Like, you can't just have, okay, now we got the quarterback, now we're good. No, no, you're going to be bad again. Let's go to some other games. Colton, the biggest game in the AFC. It's between the two undefeated teams in the AFC. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Tennessee Titans. As I'm getting it now, the Titans are a one-and-a-half-point favorite. I've seen them as low as a one-point favorite. I've seen them as much as a two-point favorite. In either case, I'm surprised that they are favored at all because it seems like Pittsburgh is the team that just about everybody thought would be good and has even been better than what people had anticipated them being. Ben Roethlisberger, man, is is rejuvenated, not so much physically. Like, he... he He's a he's a he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. Okay, he's old. He's taken a lot of hits. Big Ben, we know the whole thing. But he's always been, you know, pretty much about Big Ben and kind of you know a bit of a you know prickly pear whatever. And he has been so much more engaged and engaging this season than I've ever seen him. And whether it's a result of the injury and being away, or whether you know I I don't know I don't know what it is. But I'm impressed by this with Ben. And you can tell me well it's when Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown aren't you know weighing on both of your shoulders it's easier maybe that's true but i'm impressed by that and uh obviously the emergence of claypool you know it's like well just put another great wide receiver out there and let him go to work that that's the thing though is i know that my Le'Veon bell and and antonio brown being a headache is a tired take at this point i've already said it on the show a million times i feel like and once more the 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 brilliance of Ben Roethlisberger, and I think that the reason they've had so many above-average receivers is that if he's having to feed a guy the ball like Antonio Brown, then it takes away everything that he does that's great. He's the ultimate ball distributor. He's the ultimate when the play breaks down, get open, I'm going to hit you. He's the ultimate spread it around. And that's why they've had this endless string of guys that are good, obviously talented, but not putting up the crazy numbers. It's the direct correlation, right? Heinz Ward never had a single season like Antonio Brown had during the height of his deal. But the Steelers were better, just like with Antonio Holmes. Like, if you have to feed this one guy, he might have tremendous numbers, but it's not going to win you more games. What the Steelers do best is let Ben Roethlisberger be the centerpiece and run the show. And yet, here we are. The Tennessee Titans are really good, too. Yes, they are. Who do you like? I like the Steelers. I think the Steelers are just so nasty on defense, man. I don't really know how you measure up with that. The Seattle Seahawks, and we'll talk more about this game tomorrow. They take on the Arizona Cardinals. Because of the uncertainty of what was supposed to be a Sunday night game between Tampa and Las Vegas, they've been flexed out, and the Seahawks-Cardinals game is your Sunday nighter. How about this? The Seahawks playing in three of the seven Sunday night football games so, so far, far this yeah. year. Uh, pretty pretty impressive. Obviously, this one uh, uh, just a move on the fly. But the Seahawks opened at and are still a three-and-a-half-point favorite over the Arizona Cardinals. Speaking of Antonio Brown, before we analyze this I game, know, I know. What do you think of these rumors? Um Antonio Brown of Seattle is what we're talking about. Antonio Brown is suspended for the first eight weeks of the season because of violating the personal conduct code in the NFL. This is week seven, so he will be available to join a team sooner than later. The um, On one hand, this is so very Seattle. They went after Randy Moss after he had retired the year that they won the Super Bowl. They tried to get Randy Moss in there. They got Jerry Rice. People don't remember this, but after he was done in Oakland, they brought in Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice played for the Seahawks. They brought in Des Bryant, played football, right? Was there? Or he didn't play. He actually didn't make the team, but he was brought in to compete with the Seattle Seahawks. They love going for guys who they think still got it and that can you know energize and rejuvenate a team. Not this team. Not that this team needs to be rejuvenated, but you understand what I mean. 
That said, oh, go ahead. I want to ask you about a, 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 a socioeconomic dynamic behind that. You've lived in Seattle. Yeah. You know it better than anybody that I'm friends with. I spent some time there myself. I think as people in Western Montana, mm-hmm. a lot of people from Montana, Seattle is the, the most prevalent city that they visited, probably the city that they know the best. Sure. I think that one thing that gets lost on people that live in the Pacific Northwest, though, is that Seattle is so much different than the vast majority of cities in the United States of America. Yes, it is. In 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 climate, in culture, in discourse, so many different things about it are different. The identity that the Seahawks, and particularly the Seahawks players, represent themselves with, I think, is not a coincidence. The fact that they're in Seattle... I think galvanizes them, but also gives them a completely different type of platform. I think they they represent for a much larger group of people only because they are the metropolitan epicenter of a largely rural and unpopulated area. Mm-hmm. So I want to ask you this, though. I, I do think that they go after guys that maybe have been considered malcontents. And then when those guys get to Seattle, almost always they, by and large, they change and or they just act Right. Or they act like Seahawks, I guess is the best way I could say it. Is that a real dynamic to you? It's a very real dynamic. I mean, Michael Bennett was a a disaster for all this time in his career, except for when he played for Seattle. And when in Seattle, he was a star. Totally. Um, He is the the Seattle thing. You can, you know, how much trouble Earl Thomas has gotten since he left Seattle. There's there's a lot of um, how can I say this? People make a lot of Pete Carroll. You talk all the time, right, Coulter, about the college culture of it and that kind of thing and the hype and that. And that's all true. But it also, it isn't the team. It's the city. Yeah. Like the city of Seattle, the best way I can say it is the way that Missoula rallies for the Grizzlies and the way that Bozeman rallies for Montana State where it's this thing that you own because it's a huge part of what you are. And usually in major metropolitan areas, it's like, are the Bears a big part of Chicago? Well, yeah, but there's 10 million people in Chicago and they're like, they're this thing that's happening and people care about it, people know about it, but that's one of a whole bunch of things. The Seattle Seahawks are a college team in Seattle. They're more a college team in Seattle than the Washington Huskies are, right? The Huskies should be the team that have what the Seahawks have, but they don't. The Seahawks have it. And and that's such a great point because in in New York City, there's so many people that love sports. There's also so many people that don't even think of sports as Mm -hmm. being something that exists. Mm -hmm. Chicago, a lot of places, and I'm not saying there's not those same sort of people, but to me, I think that the two cities that I've been to that are different than every other city is Portland and Seattle in the fact that if there's something that's cool that represents their city that's having any form of success at all, people will get behind it, even if they don't care about sports at all. Like when the Portland Timbers got rolling for the first time in Major League Soccer, all of a sudden, they're like the hottest ticket town. Everybody cares about the Portland Timbers, even if you never even liked soccer That's for right. a second, That's it's the right. same thing with the Seahawks. So, so all of that plays into it, and I think that guys go there and understand that all of a sudden they're not they're they're part of something. Like any guy, you know, will say that, that they play for the fans and the fans are important and stuff like that. But I think there's an ownership uh, that exists in Seattle and and a relationship, if I may say, between between the fans, the Twelves, and and that football team that doesn't exist everywhere else. And I think it's a wave. Like they've always been about that team. But when, you know, when Jim Mora Jr., for instance, was the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks, that relationship did not exist the way it exists when, when Pete Carroll did. Now it's, it did when Mike Holmgren was there and he may be the one to credit for starting a lot of it, but Pete Carroll has played that and used that. And I think believes in the energy of it. Here's what I think about Antonio Brown though. Antonio Brown, I I mean, there's no question to me, Antonio Brown is tomorrow a top, uh, uh, you know, in the top 10% of wide receivers in the league as a player still. I mean, he, I mean, he's been gone like a year, right? And when he left, he was, he walked off as a top five receiver in the league. And, and, and I guess to, to close the, the bookend on this point that I'm trying to make here is that I, I get why a lot of NFL teams distance themselves from Antonio Brown. If you walk into Pittsburgh, you walk into New England, 
their culture of being a professional does not cater to you being what Antonio Brown was acting like. John Gruden, he doesn't have time for that. Moving to Las Vegas, you don't need that distraction. You don't need this dude. But to me, watching Hard Knocks, and as somebody that's been fascinated by mental illness for a long time, so much of what Antonio Brown, so many of his actions are a cry for help. And I know he's a grown man, and I know this is professional football. So no one is is required to give him the help that he's crying out for. That said, if there is an organization that will actually meet Antonio Brown in the middle, it's Seattle. I, I agree with you. And, you know, it's this is this is one thing that I just wanted to get to, and we'll certainly talk with Mike Dugar about this tomorrow on 12 for the 12s when we, we do our segment about the Seahawks tomorrow. But there is what, you know, certainly looks like a, a – you know, a men- whether it's mental illness or whatever, a, a point in time, a stretch where Antonio Brown has gone through a real struggle, and I don't know exactly what that is. Also, Antonio Brown has done some some really bad things, like things that you cannot do. Period. I mean, that's why he's been sure. suspended, and, and sure. I, you know what all the reasons are, or whatever. But like he's he is he has put himself in the position that he's in in many ways, and I don't know how many people feel sorry for him or should feel sorry for him. And along those lines. The Seattle Seahawks are one of the organizations that has tried to, or at least outwardly tried to project itself as, you know, this place where we're going to do it the right way too. Like we're going to have good dudes. We're going to make good decisions, you know, all this and that. Joe Fan on Twitter, who I do not know, was retweeted by Greg Bell, who I do know. Greg Bell has been on this show several times. He writes, he's the beat writer for the Tacoma News Tribune of the Seahawks. He is uh, as good as it gets, and he is probably, probably, maybe John Clayton, but probably outside of that, the guy I trust the most in terms of a voice about the Seattle Seahawks, Greg mm-hmm. Bell. Uh, the tweet is, I'm not sure how a team like the hashtag Seahawks can tout itself as an organization of great morals and values and then align itself with Antonio Brown. Same goes for Russell Wilson. At that point, you just have to admit that winning football games is all that matters. Right, question mark. And Greg Bell retweeting that saying, this is absolutely spot on. And I think that you do run that risk. Like, you can... You can believe in a guy and that a guy is like a good guy. And I know that Russell Wilson and Antonio Brown have a, have a relationship where they've worked out in, you know, off seasons and stuff. Even this past off season worked out together and spent time together. And they, you know, they're evidently, you know, OK, like they're good. They're everything like that. And. Are you going to sit here and go, well, well, you know, if what's the line? I don't know what the line is. I don't know how you do it. But also, if you're going to project yourself as being There's no such thing as a line in the NFL. Right. But but I guess my I, what I'm saying is if you're going to project yourself like Andy Reid and Tyreek Hill, OK, mm-hmm. for instance, mm-hmm. Tyreek Hill, way worse. What he's done is in terms of, you know, the, going back to college and stuff like that. Then Antonio, I mean, are you going to grade this stuff? I don't know. But the point is, is not good. Andy Reid says what? I coach football. That's what I do. Now, if you want him to take a moral stand, you hate the fact that he said it. You hate the fact that he won't come out here and make a statement or be whatever. But you know what? That's what he's going to do. He's going to say, I'm not here to make judgment calls. I'm here to coach football. The Seahawks haven't been that. So now you bring this guy in and you go, what? Well, (laughs) it's all just pomp and circumstance. Anyways, man, here's the thing. As long as you... As long as the guy that you are bringing in didn't have his previous transgressions while playing for you, you are giving him a fresh start, then he gets a fresh start until he screws up again. That's it. That's all. If you can still play in this league, you will play in the NFL, period. Alton Smith is on the Cowboys. Alton Smith is on a team. You can't screw it up versus Alton Smith. Yeah, but Greg Hardy ain't, you know? Yeah, right, but that's, that's because of... Your actions off the field and away from the locker room is different than being someone that's concerning within the locker room on a daily basis. I mean, that's where Greg Hardy was at. I don't know, man. I think there's some concerning dudes in an NFL locker room. Well, I mean, absolutely. That's the thing that I think the American public needs to understand, though. There's a definitive reason that the networks pump the Golden Boy quarterbacks and don't show you the personalities of dudes like Sheldon Richardson because you can't handle it. Well, maybe. 
They do this on the WWE. Do, All they do is pump that, like, that I mean, persona. Like, I, I the man's I, name is The Undertaker. I think about this all the time, can't man. Handle it. I, I can think about this the, all the time, though. The fact that the vast majority of NFL fans have very little knowledge of who Calais Campbell is is crazy. The fact that DeForest Buckner isn't one of the biggest stars in the league, that's crazy. Yeah. But guess what? It's because, the, the by and large, the people watching can't handle it. No, no, it's not why. That's not why. It's because they're not watching them play. They're watching the quarterbacks and the receivers play. That's uh, why. Quick break. We'll keep going. We got more football to get to. We also got the World Series coming up next. Coulter, obviously, if people are traveling, you got to have them stay somewhere else, not with you. That's true even when COVID isn't going on, and especially now. So you send them out to the wind gate. We know that. That's obvious. What you might not know is about all the meeting space they have out there, convention space, and even personal office space, because God knows I can't stand being with you any much longer. I'm going out there. I'm going to lock up my own personal office at the wind gate. You can do the same thing. If you need a business space, whether it's for yourself personally or or you're just tired of doing Zoom meetings, you just want to see other humans, but you want to be socially distanced, the Wingate has great business meeting rooms. You can space out. They have all the hookups and technology you're going to need for any sort of meeting or presentation. Or if you're like Ryan, you just want to have a place where you can work in peace and quiet, the Wingate Inn, also a great option for those that live and work around Western Montana and the city of Missoula. If you have anybody coming through town or you want to get your kids out of the house, Wingate also has awesome rooms, great business rates. The pool is back open. They've done a great job of making sure that's be safe for you and your family. The Wingate Inn, located in Missoula, it's an excellent option for business travelers, local business people, or anybody coming through the city of Missoula. Let the Wingate Inn make you feel at home even when you're not. And after all that, uh, still didn't pick a winner for the Seahawks-Arizona game. Sutel Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Again, that game being flexed out to Sunday night. We'll have it for you here on ESPN Radio. So we have all the Seahawks games uh, on for you here every, uh, well, Sunday, Thursday, Monday, however it might work out. Seattle, a three-and-a-half point favorite. By the way, Jamal Adams, out. Not coming back yet from that groin injury. So uh, the best player the Seahawks have on defense will not be there. Uh, Arizona looked great against Dallas because everybody looks great against Dallas. So what do we think about the Seahawks being a a three-and-a-half-point favorite coming out of a bye against the Arizona Cardinals? Well, they'll be ready to go. They're not going to be a team that's flat out of the bye, I'll tell you that. Uh, I think that uh, the Cardinals are below average defensively. I think that they're in this precarious situation that a lot of teams reach where you build your, you draft an elite corner like they did with Patrick Peterson. You build your entire defense around him as you should. And then he takes a step back to me. Patrick Peterson is still very good, but he is not, he cannot be the linchpin of your defense. What what do you see that makes you think he's 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 just half a step slow Teams would never attack Patrick Peterson, and now they do. And I think that, I mean, we saw it in Minnesota with Xavier Rhodes. As soon as Xavier Rhodes hurt his hamstring, bam, you start attacking him. I mean, it happened to Darrell Rivas. It happens to the best of them, man. It's it's very, very rare you're going to find a corner. In fact, it's impossible as of this point that you're going to find a corner who can be a shutdown man-to-man corner into his 30s. Richard Sherman's the best example of a dude who hung on for a really long time at an elite level, but he's never been a man-press corner. He's been playing. He doesn't play. He doesn't shadow the best receiver. He doesn't play the field. He plays one side of the field. He doesn't play field boundary. He plays one side of the field. And so because of that, then all of a sudden your mental aptitude can help you catch up. And as a professional athlete, you're oh, there's always going to be a point when you re- lose a step. Oftentimes the greatest players, particularly in basketball, when they lose a step, they actually become better because then they have to learn you know, the nuances of the game. They have to improve the skill portion of the game. But at corner in the league, if you are expected to be a man-press corner, and that's what the defense is built upon. The moment you lose a single step, it's just tough for anything to operate. What I'm saying is that even two years ago, Patrick Peterson versus DK Metcalf is advantage Arizona. It's not anymore. Yeah, no, and and that is true. Uh, you're you're right about that matchup for, matchup for sure. I don't know, man. I think this is. I think the number's about right. Three and a half points. Um, 
I haven't been as impressed with Arizona as I want to be. Part of that yeah. is, though, because multiple – I think that Pat Pete has taken a little bit of a step back, but that's here nor there. Chandler Jones is the other linchpin of this defense. He's supposed to be your premier pass rusher, and he's out. Yeah. And then Isaiah Simmons, for whatever reason, has been playing spot snaps, not being a full-time starter. You put took a you took him with a number eight overall pick. He's supposed to be the dude in yeah. for your linebacker core, and he just hasn't quite been it. Buda Baker has been great. I, I was getting on you the other day about it, but Buda, Buda Baker is one of the great overachievers in the entire NFL. They have some good pieces. They are just shorthanded at with the with the scheme they're running. They just don't have the dudes that you need to operate. You need to have a complete shutdown guy. Patrick Peterson's not quite that. You need to have an elite pass rusher. They don't have one. Okay, but let me ask you this: particularly without Jamal Adams, yeah. who's the better defense between these two teams? Well, I don't think that that matters in this game because I think that it's a it's a wash. But Arizona's defense against Russell Wilson is a lot worse than. Seattle's defense is against Kyler Murray because Russell Wilson is playing at such a high level right now. Yeah, I mean, that is true. Here's the thing. Uh, Kyler Murray uh, is I, I, one I, of the two, maybe, quarterbacks in the league that is better moving and running than Russell Wilson. Yeah. But Russell Wilson is one of the three best throwers of the football just in terms of getting it where it needs to go and understanding it. And Kyler Murray ain't in the top half of the league well, right I, now. I guess I'll articulate that better. Russell Wilson will undeniably find the weaknesses of the Arizona defense and exploit them, whereas I don't know if Kyler Murray's there yet. Yeah, yeah. Sales defense has weaknesses. I don't know if Kyler Murray can exploit them. Yeah. He, he can from an athletic standpoint, but the fact is, one of the most disappointing aspects of this Cardinals team is their inability to run the ball between the tackles. Their only real ability to actually run the ball has been Kyler Murray. Kenyon Drake has not been good. Mm-hmm. Uh. For my own sake, Green Bay's at Houston. They're a three-and-a-half-point favorite, just like the Seattle Seahawks, and I'm going to take Green Bay to cover that because I want to. The other game, though, that I want to talk about regionally uh, here is the Kansas City Chiefs and Denver Broncos. This is Now, this, people don't really talk about the Chiefs-Broncos rivalry outside of Kansas City and Denver, yeah. but if you're a fan of these teams, this is as, this is as good as it gets, man, the Broncos and the Chiefs. The Chiefs open as a 10-point favorite. They're now in a 9.5-point favorite. The more I look at this, the more I like Denver in this game against the number. Uh, and it's more, it's it, you know, look, I'm no pro here. It's, about, it's more about the feel of this than anything else to me. Denver obviously gets Drew Locke, you know, got Drew Locke back last week. Jerry Judy was back. Uh, Melvin, you know, Gordon should play in this game. Although Philip Lindsay was, was, you know, Perfectly good uh, as he always is against the, the Patriots, but to go in and beat basically was as full as it's going to be for the for the Patriots this year. A fully loaded New England team, uh, I thought was impressive to me, especially with a Denver team that hasn't been very good. Obviously, they've been very injured, and the Chiefs. Speaking of teams that aren't as good as you want them to be, that's sort of dumb to say. The Chiefs are the Chiefs are. If I was going to pick, they're probably the best team in football to me still. Yes. So, but they are not the, they're not just going in, and it's the NFL for crying out loud, but they're not going 35-10 day in, game in and game out. They, they've had to fight some games. They had to grind out the win against the Bills. That was coming off of a loss. And I think the Bills are good. I don't think that, I think it's a great win. I know rainy road game in Western New York to go in and beat the Bills, no matter how you do it, they did it. So I give them all the credit in the world. I just think that this game could be a little, like 10 points says, in an NFL game, that's a blowout. This is a blowout that you're about to watch. I don't think it's a blowout. I think it could be, you know, 31-24. And, and Denver, you know, scores a couple of points, maybe makes a stop here and there and finds a way to, uh, you know, to not get blown out at home in mile high against a rival. I, 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 that's that's how I see this game a little bit. Could it be 38-10? Sure. It's the, it's the Chiefs. Certainly could be. I'm very interested to see Le'Veon Bell in this game. If he makes his first appearance in a Chiefs uniform, what he looks like now that he's out of the black hole that is the New York Jets. But uh, I, I'm gonna, I, I like Denver against this number, even though if, you know certainly I will pick the, the, the Chiefs to win the football game. I mean, we've been talking ad nauseum about the Broncos' injuries offensively. You know, Corlin Sutton lost for the year early, torn ACL. Jake Butt seems never to have been able to get healthy. Noah Fant had a terrible sprained ankle that he's still working his way back from. He's likely going to play this week. But those are the guys that get all the headlines. I mean, Melvin Gordon, his personal stuff that went on this last week, he was suspended, all that. 
Drew Locke obviously being out. But to me, the the issues that the Broncos have is that Vaughn Miller was obviously the biggest headline making injury of the entire NFL offseason. But they have they had a chance to actually be really good on defense this year. And that's the part where they're decimated. Drew Casey, who was one of the most underrated free agent signings in the league this year, former all-pro defensive tackle who previously was with the Titans, he's on the injured reserve. Mark Barron is on the injured reserve. He's their kind of hybrid linebacker, yeah. formerly of Alabama. A.J. Bouye is supposed to be one of the best corners in the league, formerly of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's on IR. So those things kill you. Like when you when you allow Derek Wolf to walk out the door and go sign with the Baltimore Ravens, you're banking on bringing in Jarrell Casey. Well, now that's just an absent portion of your yeah, defense. Yeah. You wanted Bradley Chubb and Von Miller to be the best edge guy pair in the in the league. They don't have one of those guys now. So that's where I think that they're hurting. That said, I think that the number one factor in this game is keeping the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands as much as you possibly can. Because, like you said, this is a rivalry game. Mm-hmm. And if the Chiefs can smell blood in the water, they will light the Broncos. Well, and, and I got to say, and I like Drew Locke, but my man... If you want to even have a sniff, you can't even have as many as one interception in this football game, period. Cannot do it. Quick break. Hey, World Series, game two, exactly what we needed if we wanted to have a little longer baseball series, which I do. It's the World Series. Talk about last night and what we expect out of tomorrow next. What are your business challenges for 2021? Supporting an increased remote workforce? Securing and managing your expanding corporate network? Communicating with your customers, employees, and partners? Whatever your challenges and priorities for 2021, Blackfoot Communications knows it all starts with a plan. We are here to help you assess, design, implement, and support your most critical technology infrastructure initiatives. Call Blackfoot at 866-541-5000 or email business at blackfoot.com to learn how we can set you up for success in 2021 and beyond. Blackfoot, connect to more. World Series split a game apiece. 1-1. That's good news. We're at least assured of a fifth game, right? Let's see if we can get six and seven out of this thing. That's my thoughts. 2 tell new one is 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. If you miss anything in the show, listen on the podcast. The 2 tell new one is podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. Every platform, Google, Apple, etc. Check out the uh to tell new honest podcast rate review subscribe and listen thanks to blackfoot communication and also tomorrow we're very excited we will have episode number nine of the podcast series so the uh grizz greats podcast series commemorating the 1995 national championship football team this one coulter pretty good what did you say Lawrence Taylor, when you were a kid, was the best linebacker in the history of, uh, you know, that on in the face mind, of the earth? Yeah. Best, best linebacker. And a close second to Lawrence Taylor, Jason Crebo. That's right. And uh, Animal. So we had uh, an opportunity to catch up with Jason Crebo. So his episode will come out tomorrow. We're really looking forward to that. So listen to Grizz Greats, uh, the silver anniversary of the 1995 National Champions. Again, that is everywhere as well. You can go to uh, grizzgreats.com or on your favorite podcasting platform as well. And we will have Jason Crebo's episode up for you tomorrow. Great. Very interesting story. And uh, a guy who actually lives further north than Dave Dickinson, if you can believe it. That's right. So, uh, you know, and uh, look look for that. We'll have a little portion for that uh, of that for you tomorrow. Coulter, last night, the Rays got it done. Uh, they won 6-4. to four. Blake Snell was absolutely unhittable. I mean, he was ferocious and literally had a no-hitter going through about five innings, then gave up a, a hit, then gave up a two-run, uh, was a two-run home run, then got another guy on, and then had to get yanked. So it went bad quickly i thought he i thought he was the victim of some really questionable ball and strike calls uh often you uh, you know an umpire will maybe not give you the top of the strike zone they'll give you the bottom or vice versa there was a stretch in there where he wasn't getting the top or the bottom and he was painting them and you go well come on man like you got it like what's it gonna be you can't not give him e- either of those so in any case 
nonetheless, the uh, the the bats came alive for uh, the Rays. Bra- uh, Brandon Lowe, two home runs last night for Tampa Bay, and a six four win to get the series to one apiece. Uh, by the way, if you want to save a game, you want to be a pitcher and save a game. Mm-hmm. Diego Castillo is living right. 26 outs. My man walks out there for one batter, throws one, two, three strikes, have a seat, game over, a three-pitch save for Diego Castillo last night. It's actually good because he did not play in game one. They had a night off. If you're if you're a closer, man, you need to get out there, right? So he got worked up, he got the lather going, and then he got three pitches, got an appearance, got the save, and now, you know, got another, you know, connect the the, the the actual game situation. Plus, you just go out there and you get the, okay, I'm playing in the World Series thing off your chest. So that got done last night, too, for the Rays. Impressed by how the Dodgers grind out at bats. I know that that's been yeah. their, their uh, MO, but I haven't watched as much of this until the last several weeks, and that reputation is well-earned, yeah. and I think that's going to make it a really long series on Tampa Bay. I don't know how you close the gap because – Tampa Bay, they got all these dudes that just throw gas and they're just trying to strike you out. And the Dodgers are just not trying to strike out. No. And it's very pleasant to watch because it's it's against the trend of what has been in Major League Baseball. Tomorrow, Walker, Bueller, and Charlie Morton going against each other. Bueller, obviously, for uh, the Dodgers. He's 1-0 in this postseason with a 1.89 ERA. Morton is 3-0 with a .57 ERA. I will say Bueller has actually pitched more, even though he doesn't have the wins and losses in terms of the total games. He's got 29 Ks in this postseason. Morton's only got 17. So it's going to be a great matchup in Game 3 tomorrow. And I think this is a very evenly matched game. I like the Dodgers in Game 4. So the Rays probably need to get it tomorrow night as well. Boys and girls, have a wonderful Thursday. Enjoy football. Nothing else. See you tomorrow. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or of course you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.